Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corny booth of the Catholic Cafe, <laughs> sitting here with my sidekick, yes, who's sir. not wearing his name tag. I need to wear that. I'm so sorry. Right. I'm embarrassed. Tom Dorian. Oh, yes, sir. How are Hello. you doing, Tom? I'm great. How are you? And we're also joined by Doug Grakulski, our sort of a newfound friend who's just wandering through the cafe. He didn't have any money. We said, Can have a cup of coffee. And he's totally tagless. And he sat down. That's all right. And he probably will remain tagless, just so you know. Yeah. He's on probation. Homeless and tagless. That's all right. Well, you know what? Welcome. You're in the right place, uh, Doug. We're happy to have you here. So whatever you, when you just feel like chiming in, just let us know, and uh, we'll we'll obviously we'll shut everything down and hear what Doug has to say. I will. Good. That's important. Awesome. Well, we. Well, I tell you what, the fact that Doug wandered in, you know, that he came back to us here, yes. kind of makes me think about another th- theme for our show today. All and right. That's the concept of coming back home. Man, you're so good with the segues. I'm trying to do it. I I'm love just, it. You know, I, I go to Segways R Us. You are shop a pro. for them. Get them. Uh, you know, the, the Baker's dozen yeah. of Segways and yeah. use them. So here we are uh, coming back home. What does that mean? We hear that every once in a while. A lot of people who are uh, Catholics have heard about that. The website or the the, the organization called uh, Catholics Come Home. Love it. Right? It's fantastic. It it's, is. It's great. It's just uh, those commercials they ran at the Super Bowl. You still see those things. And just all the things they're doing to mm-hmm. help people to come back home. It's amazing stuff. Now, we aren't talking specifically about them, but I think we're going to talk about the the issues mm-hmm. or what's involved in this process and why. It's just kind idea. of just maybe kind of break that open for discussion here. And I have a feeling that, that whoever's listening, wherever you're listening, all over the country and even in uh, other, the far reaches of the universe here where people uh, happen to listen to this show, all experience some sense of meeting people who are thinking about coming home, meeting people who need to come home mm-hmm. and don't yet even know it or recognize it, and, and then maybe even meeting people that were refused to come home. Right. Right, and just so where people are in all these different places, and so, um, and then also maybe there are people who won't need to come home themselves, you know, right. and, and, and you know that are listening, right? Exactly. So there's you know so family members, whatever. So we just thought we'd talk about some, all the different uh, aspects we could we could imagine that we right. could squeeze into one of our short programs here, yeah, you know, in, and then have donut in the middle, and then come back and uh, and, yeah. t- and and finish things up. But I thought it was important, and I guess you know. I I believe the Holy Spirit's at work in my life and and in my church and uh, and it's just the other day I had a, a young family send me an email said we want to meet with you uh, that's always scary by the yeah, way yeah no kidding <laughs> good or bad sometimes they're really really good and this was a great one and this is one where I have a young family I say young family they were they're in their mid to late thirties the young family so that's young to me. qualifies right I got three young kids. Mm-hmm. And so I meet with this family, and I'm just I'm just enamored by them, and I was just actually just blessed by the whole experience and how wonderful. It's not like I talk about who they are and their specific situation, but I will say that they're basically uh, they're they're both had been baptized in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. right? They're both Catholic as uh, baptism would have them be, and yet one of them had received their, his first Holy Communion, but but she had not, and neither had been confirmed. Hmm. And they say certain life circumstances and et cetera, and they just fallen away. Mm-hmm. It happens. Right? It, just, it happens. It's just mm-hmm. a very, very common story. Oh yeah. Right. They had fallen away, and um, they've got three kids. It just so happens that the three kids are enrolled in Catholic schools. Hmm. And so, as those kids are growing up and getting involved in 
you know, what the, the, what the church and, does and, right. and, and the rest of the class is doing that stuff. Well, they're taking this stuff home with them. Right. And saying, you know, Mommy, Daddy, look what we learned today. And it's interesting. It's just sort of sparked this sort of yeah. new conversation in their family. And I just thought, you know, that, and I, I admire them from com- for, for coming in and talking about it. Absolutely. And said, so we've got to do something about this. They're very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And I think they've already made up their mind that's what they want to do uh, is to come back into the church. And there's just various ways to do it. We're going to talk about some of that stuff today. But that's great. I thought it would be interesting that we might want to talk about maybe why people leave in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now, not about this particular couple's situation. But just why do people leave the church? Why are there people that get baptized in the Catholic Church and they end up not being Catholic anymore? Mm-hmm. But their situation applies, I think, to many people. You know, they, they're realizing now as parents that intimate connection between the church family and the big church and school and their children and yeah, society. Yeah, I agree with you, Doug, but I don't know if they'd be able to put that in words. No. I don't know if they'd really even recognize that's what's going on. That's what people don't realize, though, is yeah. that... This is real. The church is real. The body of Christ is real. It's at work in the world. Mm-hmm. And, wow, that's you know, beautiful. Sometimes it's, it, it comes upon you, you know. But again, we have to stop and think, why did you leave in the first place? Right. right. And, and you can, there's, there are a laundry list of, of reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes the reasons are genuine. Sometimes they're like what we'd call a straw man, you know, where they mm-hmm. put that up there and say, well, this is why I left, because Father yelled at me in confession. So I left my entire faith. You know, I jumped out of the boat, and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm struggling to stay afloat. But I don't want to be in that boat because Father yelled at me. And, I, and that may have happened, and that's probably a terrible thing, you know, if Father right. yelled at somebody in confession. And I would hope that didn't ever happen, maybe. But, well, we'll but sometimes people will put things up there and say, this is the reason why I left. But, you know, right. deep down inside, there's something else going on. There's got to be something. What I've found anecdotally is, is primarily people, when they leave, is, is like the, they're, they're having issues in their own life that, that sort of, that, that caused them to be challenged by what the church would teach. Mm-hmm. So there are issues about maybe they have someone in their family or maybe themselves are having um, same-sex attraction issues mm-hmm. or uh, divorced and remarried uh, civilly and wondering about communion and maybe feeling ostracized and kicked out in, in all those situations. Right. And they're not sure that they feel at home. You know, they're having issues with the issues. Right. Right. It's not... You know, usually what's so funny uh, in all of this, I shouldn't say funny, but usually what I find is it's not usually doctrinal. Mm-hmm. It's not because they don't believe what the church teaches. It's just some perception. Well, really, though, it's where the rubber hits the road in their life, in their family. It's right. where, where what rubs up against them. Right. Is where, right. It's a personal mm-hmm. issue they're having. They don't feel welcome. They don't feel part of something mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. And, and it's usually not doctrinal. It's usually... A life experience, mm-hmm. you know. They've they've had an abortion, mm-hmm. right? Patrick Madrid wrote a great book called uh, Search and Rescue, and it's, it talks basically about going back into family, right, where people have fallen away, and trying to help them come back into the faith. And mm-hmm. he, he makes a great point about this idea that sometimes some of the most adamant pro-choice people out there are people who have had abortions, and they're really trying to reconcile their actions, mm-hmm. try to get rid of the guilt, and try to make and so some rationalize it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and again, I don't, I'm not judging them. And mm-hmm. I realize that there's a lot of weight and a lot of uh, social and, and the spiritual and a lot of issues that it's going a human on thing. It's a human exactly thing right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're, we're frail human beings and, and these things happen to us. But the reality is a lot of times they're sort of trying to make amends for that. And so they almost end up having to, you know, fight for the other team just so they can right. feel that they're accepted somewhere. Cause, and, again, that's maybe the fault of the church in the sense that 
or the, the fault of the individual ministers or the people of God who don't make them feel welcome. They don't reach out to them. Meet them oh, yeah. where they are. That's exactly right. Even, even though not condoning what the church would call a sin mm-hmm. and saying, oh, hey, it's okay if you had the abortion. Really, what it'd be like? It's okay that you had the. We understand that you had the abortion, but let's let's heal. Let's work. Let's right. work on. But there's like, more. Right. There's way more, et cetera, et cetera. But and yet, usually, I think that's the most the biggest issue is, is is that people have issues that have just come at them in their life, and it's actually drawn them or pushed them away from the church. And maybe they didn't feel like they were welcome, and the church was the place or the the hospital for sinners or even the place for compassion. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a big challenge for us in the church. Right, we, we see these uh, we extraordinary synods going on. How do we accept these people and those people? How do we tell people we love them? How do we express love in the church? And that's right. usually one of the reasons why people leave right. is because they don't feel loved. They don't feel accepted. Uh, and this is important. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be better if we just have a, a, a greeting committee at Mass. Right. <laughs> and donuts. Yeah, donuts and greeting, it, it, shaking someone's hand. It's, it's deeper than that. It's meeting people where they are in that family mm-hmm. and, and, and trying to understand why and where and how these things happen to people, and then help alleviate their pain, their suffering, but also help make them see how much they're loved and accepted and wanted. Right. It's a huge, a huge thing. Now, other people will fall away from the church because I think sometimes people don't feel the relevance of it. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think there's a disconnect between what the church teaches and why she teaches it. Mm-hmm. I, at one of the hallmarks, if you come to my RCIA program, Mm-hmm. You know, you will hear this much. I'm holding my fingers barely apart mm-hmm. about what? what we believe. Right. And this much, which I'm, you know, now it's like that big bass I caught. Right. Right. And we hear this much about why we teach that. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's important that, that there's a, that it has to be relevant to you. Yeah. What we teach. Yeah. And in the same way, if, if it's not relevant to you, you are certainly going to abandon it mm-hmm. at the first sign of stress or pressure or uh, in. You feel like you're not uh, uh, in conformity with, you know, you know, whatever. You feel like you don't belong. It's gone. It's out the window because mm-hmm. it's not relevant to you. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of people that live in this culture right now, especially the young people going to college and, you know, filling their brain with, with great information, which is pushing out sometimes some great information that really is sort of more spiritually focused. And to be there. That's right. That, that It's supposed to be in, in, um, in companionship. Right. With that knowledge, you know, one of these, these, these great gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, includes knowledge and wisdom and all these things. And we're, we're kind of kicking that out and it's all becoming uh, scientific and secular and uh, yeah. there is no God kind of thing. And so people start thinking about relative. It's all the what. It's all the what. And there's no why. Right. Who are we to say why whatever creator being, if there was one, created the earth or why this cataclysmic uh, Big Bang cosmic explosion or whatever or why these amoebas did this or whatever. You know, and all these things are exactly right. We're not focused on the why. We're looking at the what happened, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's a great big history lesson. Uh, and science. science. Yeah, which is it's what you come in, which becomes a God, which pushes out the one true God, right. right? So this is where people are, right? They're usually thinking, this is not relevant to me. The young people aren't excited about mass because they don't understand the sacram- sacramental aspect of the church, the, the meaning and the, the reason for church. Mm-hmm. And their part in it. Why are they there? Yeah, the people of God thing. Coming back to that, being a member of the family of God, and people don't feel like they're part of that family, right? They feel ostracized, mm-hmm. and they don't feel like what they're doing in the church is relevant to them. You know, it's like either an old person's religion or whatever. And I'm just not going to sit there and pray beads. And it's just that the, the people can dismiss things like that really mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. So those are the whys, you know. And so that's why people have left. The question then becomes, why do people come back? Mm-hmm. You know, why did this family come to me 
and say, we want to talk to you about something that's really been dominating our conversation as a family for the last year. Right. That's We've awesome. We've really been just praying about this and thinking about this. You know, and they, and they have not abandoned God. Great question. They haven't abandoned God. They've actually been going to churches. Yeah. They're, they're roaming Catholics. Roaming. Right. They've been going to a lot of different Protestant churches. They've been looking for something to fill some, some space or some, some need or an anxiety or whatever. And, and man, I, I just couldn't tell them how proud I was of them, how I applaud them for just seeking this stuff out. Now, where God is going to have them go and whether they're going to be, you know, RCIA uh, or they're going to, you know, what, what's going to happen in their specific situation, I don't know at this point. But, but I will say I just applaud the idea that you would that you'd be searching. But, but ultimately, this couple, it was because of their children at school, children asking questions. So their parents weren't nudging them along or anything like that. It I think was, that's the catalyst, Tom. Okay. You know, I think that's what kicked it off because the kids are coming home asking questions. And they got some explaining to do. Right. And, in fact, they, they told me uh, it was really sweet that, that one of them is like the, the, the two-year-old. I'm sorry, two-year-old. The two, second grader. Right. The, the seven-year-old is like going, I want to go to Mass. Oh, wow. They don't mind going to the place with the rock and roll with the big screen. Right. And it's kind of fun. But, the, but, but, but Mom, Dad, you know what happens here and what they're teaching us? This is so neat. You know, and, 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 and expressing it in a way that a child would with this childlike wonder, this, this wonder and awe that we get. Usually, you know, the Holy Spirit would give us that confirmation especially, right? <laughs> yeah. And yet, here they are um, being sort of drawn into this by the innocence of the children. Yeah. And so you're right. I think that's the catalyst. But it actually has caused them over a long period of time mm-hmm. to really discuss this and say, what are we doing? Yeah. Right. right. And I think that they've realized that, you know, at a certain age, we kind of go through this. I experienced it. I'm sure you guys did as well. You know, you, you're looking at like the 30s or whatever. You start to realize a couple of things. One is you start to realize that there are fewer days ahead of me, potentially, than there are behind me. In other words, you're getting older. <laughs> right. Right, you're, you're getting closer to the end. You I, don't know when the end is. I hate when that happens. Yeah, I know. It happens to us every day. And I look mm-hmm. in the mirror and go, well, one day closer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so but we're get, it makes us think. Right. It really starts talking about the big questions, like the relevance of life. Why are we here? Right. What is this all about? Yep. Why am I doing this? What's right, you know, and it's it's a huge, it's very profound. And, and again, I think it's beautiful in their situation that it was brought to them by... Uh, uh, by their child, mm-hmm. um, but I tell you what, there's there's so much more, and I'm, I, I see I'm going over my break period. We just stop here. Wow, ready? Yeah, we got we got to stop here. We're going to pick this up on, on the other side of this. So stay with us and find out, uh, you know, just all these answers, all these great questions. Great. Uh, before you do that, I want to remind folks at home that we have a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, send me an email, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. And this is another great moment in church history. How can someone so small and weak in the eyes of the world have such a tremendous impact on the spiritual lives of millions around the globe? St. Therese of Lisieux, better known as the Little Flower, was this small person. Born in France over a century ago, she has changed the spiritual landscape of the entire world. St. Therese believed that little things done with great love were more pleasing to God than the mightiest deeds. She wrote, Love proves itself by deeds, so how am I to show my love? Great deeds are forbidden me. 
The only way I can prove my love is by scattering little flowers. And these flowers are every little sacrifice, every glance and word, and the doing of the least action for love. The little flower grew up as the youngest of five living children. She was a sensitive child who felt things deeply. These deep feelings and her thoughtful attitude led her to a strong prayer life at a very young age. By her own account, she would find a quiet place and spend hours contemplating the love of the Heavenly Father. As Therese entered her teen years, her older sisters began to go into religious life. This led the little flower to seek entrance to the Carmelite Monastery at the tender age of 14. She was initially refused by the superiors of the order, but her persistence paid off by taking her appeal all the way to the Pope in Rome. The superiors of the order were impressed by her persistence and maturity and allowed her to enter the Carmelite order at the age of 15. The next nine years were spent in quiet contemplation and service inside the tiny convent in Lisieux. Toward the end of her time in the convent, she began to suffer from the effects of tuberculosis. Tuberculosis, a deadly infectious disease that attacks the lungs, leaves the sufferer with a chronic cough, fever, night sweats, and weight loss. St. Therese suffered seriously from this disease. She was reported to have said, I have reached the point of not being able to suffer anymore because all suffering is sweet to me. She accepted her affliction as a gift from God and saw it as a sign of his friendship with her. Little everyday things done in great love can lead us to a life of grace and deeper union with Christ. The little flower can show us the way. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. All right, we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting here with Doug Rakulski and Tom Doring, and we are talking about an important topic. We are. People coming back coming home. to the faith, coming home to the faith. And we were just talking about why people decide they want to come home, or why, mm-hmm. or why they're interested, why they start to want to have that conversation. We mm-hmm. talked about the fact that now it's, it's you know, as, as they're getting older, they're starting to ponder and think, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, when you're young, you say, I'm never going to die. You may not say those words, but that's what you feel. That's what I lived. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and maybe it would cause me to have some more reckless behavior. But I did not think about the end times. I did sure. not think about my own demise, my own death. Mm-hmm. And as we get older, we start realizing we're not young anymore. We start to go to more funerals. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. We're going to more funerals. Starting to get closer. And you start to realize that one day that's going to be my funeral. Yeah. And so I guess we start to think. And so pondering is important. Now, another reason why people start to look at their faith experience and, mm-hmm. and seeking something d- different and, and or better and maybe deciding they need to come home is this idea that uh, things that are relevant to them in their life have changed. Some, mm-hmm. Something's different. Right. Something's big, whether you you, uh, you either lost or you got a new job, mm-hmm. right? Or you, you, some catastrophe, a death in the family, something that sort of jars you into a sort of a sense of mortality, your own mortality, but reality, mm-hmm. right? And challenging your your faith. And, and of course, um, one of the one of the most important ones that we've already talked about is is your kids. Right. You start having kids, and now you're no longer just keep keeper of your own 
nope. garden. That's right. Right. You got to tend somebody else's garden too, and now you're worried about these uh, these kids and what do they believe and what are they living in. You know, what am I telling them when I say this? When I lay on the couch on Sunday morning and say I don't want to go to mass, yeah, are, we arming them, are we arming them for what's going to come their way? Right, because yeah. we all know there's challenges out there. Yeah, when I meet my maker, he's going to hold me responsible. He's going to say, that. yeah, you know, that was great where you, where you, where you put that extra money right. in the collection back. That was beautiful. I really yeah. love that. However, that, that whole thing where you taught your kids that, yeah. to, to hate my holy mass right. that wasn't so cool <laughs> you know and so i guess the thing is we these are the reasons why people start to right to get more interest and they start to search now they may be like this particular family that that, that i met with who you know went to various churches throughout our city mm-hmm. um all protestant of course they didn't really search anymore in the catholic cause I, i'm yeah. not sure 100 percent why that was but maybe they felt like well that one didn't work that mm-hmm. didn't take <laughs> And so let me find something that seems more relevant. So, you know, you, you're looking for the, 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 the up-tempo music, the thing that makes me feel good. And Now, this, I will credit them with this. I did not say these words, and this is not something I necessarily believe mm-hmm. for all people. But what they said to me is, we went to this church that made us feel good. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, after being there long enough, we realized it was missing something. Hmm. There was like sort of a temporary an emptiness. Mm-hmm. It was temporary. It, 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 well, it, did, it wasn't very deep. Right. And so you have this temporary, as you say, Doug, experience of bliss or like, man, I feel so good. I feel the spirit here. We're, we're singing these great songs and, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're fellowshipping, which are beautiful things. Absolutely. Sure. And yet when it came to now as the people of God, here's what we do. They, they, it's like it's, it's not, not a lot of meat there. Now, this is not true for all Protestant churches, certainly. And there's some pretty meaty. Absolutely, you know, uh, preachers out there, yeah, right, and some pretty in- intense uh, uh, beliefs out there. They're just they're faith-filled, uh, good Christian people. I'm not, I'm, so I'm not saying that, but for this couple, and sometimes in my own experience, I realize that you know there's something missing. Need some meat and taters. That's right. Yeah, they're you know, and for us as Catholics, we see that in the sacraments, right? And they didn't really recognize that, but. Again, their kids start saying, hey, we're doing this. We're preparing for this. We're doing this. I really would love to do this, Mom and Dad. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of the only one that's not baptized in that room. Or I'm right. the only one who hasn't received First Holy Communion or whatever. And so this is like causing them to go, wait a second. Yeah, There's we, something there. Yeah. There's something more than just the guy playing the guitar or the, or the, 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 the very uh, passionate preacher right. that makes me feel so good at the end of it. Right. You know, they're leading me somewhere. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is how, how beautiful our homily is. You know, it would take us from the Word of God, the liturgy of the Word, and that homily would bridge and lead us to Jesus, directly to Jesus in that spiritual and physical sense mm-hmm. in the liturgy of the Eucharist and how beautiful that is. Well, they, of course, they didn't have that developed thought, but they sensed a, a, a lack of something. Mm-hmm. So now we have them. They want to come. What do we do? Welcome do we, them. You know, you, you're exactly right. Well, well, first of all, what, Tom, what if we were talking to people who are actually experiencing that and they're like searching for themselves? What From their perspective? Yeah, from their oh, perspective. Be courageous. Come on in. Be courageous. Don't, and when you get here, you know, it's like going home to family. You're going to have some weird family members. You're going to have some great family members. <laughs> Seriously, it's going to be the whole so thing. The crazy well, just, looking at me. But just know, like what you said earlier, this is a hospital for sinners. We're all just like you. We're all sinners. We're all afraid. We're all, we're all those things. But so just come on, just to go ahead and you know what? You yeah. know it's important. Yeah. Your your heart tells you it's important. Right. Just God on. is really speaking to you, and he's calling you. Right. And so to answer that call, sometimes it takes courage. Totally, yeah. Because yeah. your whole family's kind of gone down this path. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to have to when you. It's kind of like when you change something in your in your house and say suddenly we're not all no we're not going to celebrate Christmas anymore. Right. Well, that would have a profound impact. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and you could imagine everything changing. Right. Just like when you change a kid's bedtime or whatever. You know, yep. for the yep. worse. Right. Ooh, something's bad going on here. Right. And so you can't help but think that if you were to come home and announce that. We're going to go to this church, and we're going to do things totally differently. Right. And you might have to go to some classes, and you're going to have to do this, and they're going to pour water on you. Right. And, and you're going to receive this this beautiful gift that we call Eucharist, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a second. What's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, courage. You're exactly right. Yeah. You're yeah. exactly right. Well, but for those who might be parents, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do? How do I... How do I help? Well, I, I, I've got kids or maybe a, a good family, a, a close family member, or maybe even a close friend. You beat them over the head. Yeah. You put stuff in their room every day. Wrap the two no, by four in do felt. That. Yeah, so you it, don't do that. Yeah, no, you don't no. do that. Absolutely not. In fact, it's the opposite. Right. This is what's so important. A lot of people come to me and tell me what they're, they're talking to their so-and-so, their child or whatever. And I go, you know, by the way, my experience is that you're pushing them away. Yeah. But sure. I'm going to let you have your family experience. But I'm going to tell you what my family would do. They would, re- they would turn back and they would run. Right. To rebel in spite exactly. Of you. So what I the first thing I always give advice is, is first of all pray. Yeah. Think about Saint Monica, top of the list. You know, praying for Saint right. Augustine. He would not be Saint Augustine if it hadn't been for the Saint Monica. Perfect saint. You're right. Pray, pray, pray. Just pray for the situation. Let the Holy Spirit do all the converting and and uh, and bludgeoning that might, needs to happen. Well, that's the, Holy the Holy Spirit's going to do it whether you like it or not. Well, that's true. That's right. But you and pray and invite. Just but embrace she wasn't it. leaving Bibles under his pillow at night and right. you know, dragging. And that's him to exactly mass. right. That's ex- that Saint Monica didn't that she prayed about it. <laughs> exactly right. So the other thing is don't push. Right. Yeah, you know, leaving the Bibles or leaving the little tracks, the little Bible tracks or whatever, or whatever the little right. scripture things that say, you know, whatever, leaving them on the pillow is like a subtle hint. Yeah. Or preaching. don't like subtle hints. Just tell them what you believe. Yeah. Show see, them. Show them what you believe. Exactly. Right. Just live it. One. Just live it. it. That's the most important. So I would think so. It's pray, don't push, and live it. Right. You know, live in your faith. They're going to follow you where you go, not where you tell them that's tell right. them to go. Right, that's a is, whole that's lot easier said than done, by you, the way. No, I know it's a challenge. But we've got to do it. We've got to live that faith. And then, of course, to realize, I think the fourth thing was to realize that all of us are on a journey. Yeah. And we're all in different places. We're not all going to be react the same way mm-hmm. on the same timetable. And we can't force those issues. Mm-hmm. Right? Those are things that the Holy Spirit, again, does. And that's, that's really beautiful. And so, yes. so what happens, they say, you know what? I do want to learn more. I do want to know more. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, there are good things that they can listen to this show. Hey, Catholic there Cafe, you go. right? They can one, tune it absolutely. off if they don't like it, whatever. But, but you know, to meet the pastor, to bring them back, to help, or, or a priest that you know, that, or a deacon, somebody who's holy, who loves the church, and who wants to invite them back and would be a welcoming presence, you know, or just a good Catholic friend to kind of mm-hmm. walk them through the process, that would be beautiful. But also the RCIA, there's so many opportunities. The most important thing is that we are inviting, mm-hmm. that we're loving, we don't push, and we realize that people need to come home come home amen brother so let's ask the blessed mother to be with us in this journey wherever we are in the name of the father and the son of the holy spirit amen Amen. hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen name of the father and the son the holy spirit Amen. amen Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. 
Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.